Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another Roots of the Money Tree podcast. This is session two on our no series of where you are. I'm Colby Gilmore, and uh, I have a friend here. Howdy, I'm Ryan Anderson here in Texas. Kind of a cold day for us in the 50s, 60s. Nice weather. Yeah, we're a little cooler here out in California, but it's still California. So not, <laughs> not that cold compared to the rest of the world or rest of the states. But um, anyways, happy to be back here. I'm, I think this will be a, a, a great conversation today and, and really an important one where most of us don't even start, right? That's right. So today the topic is where you are, like Colby mentioned. And the thought here is that before you figure out where you're going on your financial journey or how to get there, you have to start out by knowing where you are. If you think of a map, the map has an end goal of where you're going. It has a path that you follow, has a start here, right in the beginning, a point on the map where you are. And you can't really decide what road to take to get to where you wanna go until you know where you're starting from. That's such a good point. It's, it's like that quote, you'll never get to where you need to be until you actually acknowledge where you're actually at, right? Where you're actually beginning. It's like, I always paraphrase it wrong, but uh, love, <laughs> love Alice in Wonderland, right? But when, when they come to the two roads and, and the Cheshire mm-hmm. cat, you know, they go, which road do we take? And the Cheshire cat says, well, you know, where are you going? I mean, we, we don't know where we're going. Well, either road will take you there, right? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't good matter movie, always go. good movie. Love, love Tim Burton. That's good. A lot of the, the inspiration for this as well, from our perspective, is biblical. Jesus says in Luke 14, 28 is before you start building a tower, you got to count the cost and you got to know what you need and where you're starting. That's just another yeah. piece of the puzzle there. There are even like King Solomon's, some of his proverbs, right? I love one. I always call it the accountants first that that's <laughs> know well the conditions of your flock, pay attention to your herds, right? Which, I mean, that's a more agricultural livestock society but in today's terms right that's know your your assets and your liabilities know what's in your bank account and Mm -hmm. what's in your investments right but we don't always start there we want to we want to look way too far without just looking at where we're at i I had a a pastor growing up that his his mantra was always this quote of we're preparing this day for that day which i think a good point right It's, it's starting with today before we get to tomorrow which obviously going back to our why is we always have we want to start with the end in mind but now let's start with where we're at that's right. Like you mentioned, it's important to know your assets and your liabilities and your investments. But like we talked about last time, your money story is really important too. So we want to talk about more than just assets and liabilities and investments today as we're talking through, hey, how do you start and figure out where you are? Almost before you look at your assets and your liabilities, your investments, we would recommend starting by looking at your own money story. Your money story is your personal narrative with money everything in your life that has shaped the way that you view money and the way that you see money and this conversation of money story right what are some good questions to get us like started on that or like what would you ask a client to kind of figure out their starting point of their money story i always ask them i was trying to go back to the very beginning because a lot of your money story you may not even be able to communicate exactly the things that you saw with money growing up, but it's, if you go back as far as you can, what's your first memory of money? And then from there, how did money money make you feel? And a lot of that will start to peel back the onion and make them wonder, okay, well, this is what I saw with money. This is how money made me feel. This is how it made my parents feel. So that's generally where I start is just kind of tell me about your first memories with money. 
It is. It's, it's often like what we tell parents or, you know, even ourselves going back to our, our convictions of this roots um, system is there's so much that's developed in us that we have not necessarily even been taught, but we caught it, right? We've, we've mm-hmm. watched someone else's story play out. And it's, it's often funny when we, you could say, how, how'd your parents handle money? And, and people are going to say like, well, you know, they're pretty bad with money or yeah. they're really good. They taught me this, but it's funny. We, as you know, as you're a parent, um, hopefully one day will be is you probably don't think about that initially that someday yeah. someone's going to say that about you. That's true. Have you ever seen the movie inside out? It's like a Pixar oh, animated yeah. movie. Yeah. I love oh, that movie. Yeah. It's so good. But one of the things I really took away from it is like every, so every time that something happens to this little girl, there's people inside her head, her emotions inside her head and they're capturing memories and those memories end up having a huge effect and building her personality. And so I always think about that when I'm raising kids is every moment with my kids is a potential core memory that is going to be with them for the rest of their life. And I think it's the same way with, with money. Every interaction that you have with your kids or your kids sees you interact with money could be something that potentially shapes their money story later on. So that was kind of a shocking thing for me, or it kind of showed the gravity of the decisions that we're making and how we talk about money and um, what we do with money. It's so true. It's, it's uh, my parents handled their money pretty well. I think uh, they didn't share a lot with us. So I, mm-hmm. I think there's much that I wish they had shared with us, but it, it's so easy where you, you well, I can see this with clients or even friends where you, they can spend themselves so much into a hole and they have this could be an issue of spending really. But when you go, go deeper, it's often a, well, you know, that's kind of how our family handled it. Right. Yeah. Or, or, and we never were, taught something different. I, I've heard a, another a kingdom advisor that said they wanted to help end generational poverty. And how much of that is just the fact that some of it's just passed down that you've just, yeah. you've been built into this. We just go into debt, right? We've never learned how to create a spending system or even stop and see where we're at and what story we want to tell. Cause we're, mm-hmm. we're telling a story no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So I usually start out with general questions like that and then I can get more specific. So like, what was, what was, the attitude in your family around spending or saving or giving the variety of different answers you get to those questions are crazy for people who seem like me seem like they grew up the way that I did but a lot most of the time it's different so there's at least one of those where it's a lot different Mm -hmm. and I think I also ask like was there an event a significant financial event in your life when you were growing up like your parents losing a job that's that was my experience or moving or losing or going bankrupt or something like that. Because those events can really push you either way, can push you towards kind of trying to control your environment, you control everything about your money because you don't like that feeling of insecurity that you had when you were a child. But it can also lead to the opposite where you just don't really trust in money and you don't wanna think about it or deal with it at all. And so you kind of ignore it. That's a good point. Like, I, I feel like we all as, as millennials went through a huge or a significant financial event for all of us, which was the Great Recession, right? And that mm-hmm. was all probably right around the times when we were, you know, maybe teenagers or, or even heading in towards college and and how much we were affected by that. And I know I've seen different studies out there of, of how it's influenced our generation to be, you know, one thing being more fearful of, of you know, stock markets or, yeah. or banking systems. But another one is actually the, the tendency that we, we have more, well, it could change over time, but a more tendency to be savers, right? Because mm-hmm. we saw 
parents losing jobs, parents losing homes, even yeah. maybe a little bit more wary of taking on bigger mortgages. Now that can all change as you go through great years, but <laughs> sure. I think it's something that will always stick with us of, you know, our families in construction. And that was, I mean, really hit very hard. And just to yeah. see the difference of all of a sudden it was maybe not going out to movies as much. And now we're all helping out on the farm, right? Because yeah. we can't afford someone else. But <laughs> Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's interesting to think of a whole generation marked by that. And mm. it'll be interesting to see like what the next generation is marked by. Yeah, that's so. true. That so so when, you're, when you're talking through money stories, you're trying to help somebody understand the emotional side. What behavioral questions do you ask, Colby? Yeah, I think because behavioral, I love behavioral finance because it's, what drives everything, right? It's really what's going on underneath. And it, and that's, it sometimes feels like we're maybe a, a counselor or psychologist, but it's going to simple questions of like, you know, am I, am I being honest with myself? And then I'd like to even throw in the, the really, like, am I really being honest? <laughs> yeah. And it is, I mean, we can, we can, we can justify everything in our minds and we do when it comes to spending decision or our debt levels that we can just say, you know, this, we're fine with it. Right. But mm -hmm. are you being honest with yourself? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, a good one. Another good one, especially if it's, I mean, really any money decision is why am I doing this? And why, why am I really doing this? Right? Is, is this a purchase for a lack of contentment? Uh, is this mm. a purchase because it's a need or a want? But why am I really doing this? Another one could be if, like we're saying here is where, where are you? Right. So this is just actually evaluating your financial situation. And it could be why am I postponing this? Right. It, it's we always talk about that important versus urgent. Right. That understanding your finances or even building a financial plan is very important, but it's often not urgent. So we always postpone it until typically it's either too late or, mm -hmm. or we have to do some backtracking. So that's that. Yeah. Why, why, why did you start to do this now? Or why haven't you done this yet? Going back to your, why am I doing this really? It just makes me think of that Will Rogers quote of too many people spend the money they earn to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. And I feel like that's a lot of spending that we do is because we feel like we have to do it to keep up or, but when you think about how many people are really going to even notice that I have this thing and what's my circle, what does my circle actually look like of people who care about <laughs> all these things? It's pretty small. Yeah, that is, that's true. I used to call it that, that quote, I'd share it with clients and I'd say, oh, that's the OC disorder, right? Uh, <laughs> or that's the Newport Beach disorder. And, and one client from Newport Beach, he goes, well, that's the Laguna Beach disorder too. And it, it's true. It, it can, I mean, obviously we live in a wealthy area here, but it's the same thing out in rural America, right? Oh yeah, for uh, sure. It's no different. And I think it was Ron Blue that shared a quote from a pastor in, in, in Africa that he said that the, the biggest worry he had for his villagers was uh, materialism. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you live in poverty. It's like, well, no, once they have a, a straw hut, then they want a stone hut. That's just the human condition. It doesn't really matter how much you have or where you live. You're always going to want yeah. more and be pressured to have more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Other, other behavioral questions are maybe a little bit more, more topical is like, you know, um, why am I taking this job? Right. Why am I really taking this? Is it uh, a drive for more money? Is it a drive of something I like? So that's, you know, too often you it's a drive for more money and then mm -hmm. kind of throws out everything else. Like you're now you're overspending because you just want more joy in your life because your job's taking it out. Yeah. It could be the same of why am I moving? Right. A lot of people right now are adjusting to COVID lifestyle and they're moving, but why are you really moving? Is it for a better lifestyle? Maybe Is it because you can't afford where you're at or you're just lack of contentment in that area. And then I guess one, just to get to the premise of investing is 
why am I actually investing in this? And why am I really doing it? Which is such an important question to start because we always go, or I'm sure you've heard these when you're at some kind of you know party or, or gathering where someone goes, hey, you're a financial advisor, you work in investments. What's the stock I should buy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I should be buying you know cryptocurrency right now, right? Right. And I always like to stop and go, well, well, where are you right right now? Like, and what is the purpose of that, right? Is it just yeah. to chase momentum? Is it actually to to you know save and grow your wealth for a future goal? But you know, why am I really investing in this? And if you can't explain that to yourself, you yeah, probably shouldn't do it. If you can't yeah. explain it to your wife, you definitely shouldn't <laughs> do it. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a good one for time too. So not just why am I investing money in this, but why am I investing my time in this? Because I see that all the time of people struggling, running crazy busy because they just feel like they have to do things or they feel like they're expected to, or they're trying to impress somebody. And so I think if you really think through, do I really care about this enough to do it, (laughs) to do it well? Um, That's a great question. So a great question, not just for money. That's a good one. It came to mind there as um, not to dive too much into this area is education. If you know, a lot of us, why am I investing in this college degree, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 I'm afraid that too many of us and too many of even my classmates didn't think that through. It was just, well, we're just supposed to do this, right? I'm supposed yeah. to go to college and then spend a lot of money and get a random degree rather than sitting back and going, uh, why am I really investing in this education? Do mm-hmm. I need to at this point? Or, or is this just uh, following the herd? That's a great point. Yeah, I think a lot of the debt <laughs> in the, a lot of the college debt is because of that. Right. So, so like if we were to move in more to some into your financial plan, where would you want to start of where, where, where are you right now? When you are looking at the financial pieces, I think the first place to start is always your net worth and your net worth is really just a list of your assets. So all the good thing, all the good financial things that you own and your liabilities, which is the, any debt that you have and you add those together and whatever the result is, that's your net worth. You would just take a look at how much cash do I have? What investments do I have? Do I have a house? And then you look at debt. So you look at, do I have a house debt? Do I have credit card debt? Do I have college debt still? And then that really brings into focus where you are, how much, what what is your actual net worth? And I think a lot of people think that a millionaire is somebody who earns a million dollars, but really there's a lot of millionaires who have very small or negative net worths. (laughs) A millionaire is really somebody who has a net worth of a million dollars. Now, would you recommend checking your net worth daily, maybe, you know, once a month? Well, it's good to, to look at it frequently, but it's such a balance because it's so easy to be obsessed with. I think I went through a phase in my life where I was really obsessed with my net worth and I would check it every day or multiple times a day, (laughs) see how my stocks were doing. And it's just such a time suck that it just kind of steals your time. Sometimes it can steal your joy depending on what that day is looking like. So you don't want to, you don't want to check it too much, but you don't want to go years without doing it. And so I usually, I'd recommend checking it maybe every quarter, every six months. That's probably what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to our old accounting backgrounds and auditing, I always thought when you create the statement of financial position or balance sheet, whatever you want to call it, net worth is I'd go, we did so much work just to put this thing that's already in history. Like this is way past where they're at now could, can be completely different. You could be bankrupt by now or bought by another company, but how important it was where it is, this is where they're actually at. These are where their priorities kind of lie, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like when I, I look at my own 
or my wife and I's net worth or with a client, I love to just focus on the categories of where are things like, right? It, I think cash is such an important spot where that's really often where you feel the most comfortable and peace of mind in your life is how much do I have in cash? Even mm-hmm. if you have a million dollars in your retirement accounts, right? Or a yeah. $10 million business. Well, it's not as probably not going to have the same peace of mind as what's in that cash. And, and I just remember the first time my wife and I, we did a net worth lesson and, and a class and it had such a good eye opener to us on what we wanted our goals to be, which I know that's our next, next podcast is when we looked at it and obviously we were a young married couple in, in college. So we our net worth was a little underwater, and, but we noticed that we go, oh, wow, we got a lot of these student loan things. And it's more than we ever thought it was like, it's, it's unfortunate that so much, so many of us can go through life or even college and not realize how much debt we have until we actually got out. And often yeah. I talk to graduates and I go, well, how much student loan, they want help with getting out of student loans. I go, how much do you have? And they go, well, I'm not exactly sure, but that exercise kicked in into drive for us that we go, let's start knocking these down. Can we knock them down now? Can we knock them down later? And we had another similar thing, like, uh, I want to say it was a year and a half ago where we go, what's their comfort level for cash? And that helped us help us by looking at our net worth. It helped us make that decision that maybe we should sell some stock. So mm-hmm. we have more comfort, right? We have the mm-hmm. emergency fund, but at least there's that emotional peace of mind that gave yeah. my wife more peace of mind and me going, well, the market can go up and down. And right after that, it went pretty far down, uh, but <laughs> that, Hey, well, we have enough here that if anything happens, we can at least make it for a little while there. That's great. Now, are there any good tools that you recommend? For your net worth? Yeah. 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 So mint.com is one that we see a lot. It lets you hook up all of your different accounts. So retirement accounts, cash accounts, credit cards, and it really easily pulls everything together to one net worth. And what's great about Mint is that it updates every day. You really only have to make that net worth once. You pull all the different pieces together and then it'll do the rest for you. And so you could pull everything in and then take a look at it six months later and the work's already done for you. There's a lot of online tools like that now. Personal Capital is another one. And I'd probably recommend using one of those just because it keeps it current for you and you don't have to recreate the process. A lot of times recreating the process leads people to not do it (laughs) or not want to do it. And so that's probably how I would do it. But if you really want to get into it and you really want to build that net worth, at least for the first time by yourself, you can do that in a in Excel, just on your computer. You can use a pen and a paper even. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's just really figuring out where you are. Ron Blue says that your net worth is a summary of every financial decision you've ever made. Everything that you've done in the past comes together on that one sheet of where you are right now. So I just always thought, that's, always thought that was really interesting. That's, that is a great point. I, I, I remember that quote now that, yeah, it is. It's your net worth just tells you where you, what you've done so far and where yeah. you're at now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice because you can kind of let yourself forget all the things that you've done in the past that have led you to this point, mm-hmm. whether good or bad, this is your starting point now. And now I have a goal of where I want to go. And so here's what I need to do, but you can kind of forget the past and press on towards the future. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it can be also just a blessing to see what God's provided you throughout a year. Like I had a, a new client about a year ago here that they had just transitioned jobs. And really it was, we were looking at their net worth going, how do you have enough to survive? And how long will you survive off of it? And then we had a meeting about a month ago and it was so cool just to sit there and they're like, can we just look at this and thank God? Because mm. we thought we'd be completely depleted of our resources. But I think it was, they made, they, they saw where they were at and made the right decisions along the year that at the end of the year, they're actually better off than they 
better off than they thought they'd be, but better off than they were the year prior. And it was cool because they got to acknowledge that if they hadn't, we didn't have that, that other meeting on net worth and attract that. They, they wouldn't have necessarily been able to see that and kind of see how, you know, God had carried them along and taken them through their steps there. Um, yeah. And really, it's almost like the same for you and your wife of you didn't really realize that your goal was to get your debt paid off until you put together your net worth and you saw where you were compared to where you wanted to go. It's cool. What about uh, what other you know, parts of your where you're at financial plan? The other big one would be cash flow. That's just understanding where your money's going. The net worth is really important for telling you where you are right now, but your cash flow helps you anticipate where you're going to be. That's looking at all the money you have coming in, all the money that's coming out. You want that to be positive. You want to have some margin. A lot of times it's hard to do that. It's hard to figure out how you're doing financially, how are you doing from a cash flow perspective until you go in and you look at the details, either on a monthly basis or over the course of six months or a year. But it's really helpful just to go back and look at the last six months and say, okay, this is how much money I made and here's where it all went. Good. Do you, do you think uh, maybe you've seen this? People typically have a good idea of what's coming in and what's going out. No, <laughs> no, I think people right have there. a general idea of how much money is coming in. And because a lot of times, you know, your salary, well, I think most people know their salary pretty well, but they don't really know what their take home is once taxes are taken out and social security taxes and if their 401k, if they're doing that, they don't really know what they have left over to meet all the liabilities that they have throughout the course mm-hmm. of a month. And I think people really don't know their expenses. I think probably every client I've ever met with have said in the initial meeting, yeah, we're pretty frugal. And that is like so relative. (laughs) And so so even if you're spending a ton of money, that's kind of people's go-to. They don't think they're really spending money. And then when you go and you look at the details, almost everyone is spending more than they think they are. Yeah, that's a good point. I I feel like most people could probably tell you maybe what their debt payments are, especially if it's like a mortgage, Yeah. but they can never tell you. I'm like, well, how much goes out for taxes? No one knows that question, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe some tax accountants. Um, <laughs> but I do some planning for some of them and I'd say, oh, do you feel good on your tax protection this year? And they go, oh, I, I haven't done that yet. Um, <laughs> but taxes, living expenses, pretty much never, right? Yeah. And then you might know you're giving, right? You go, oh, I give $100 to my church every week. So 5200 yeah. this year or something like that. But it's, it's so funny. It's like, well, no wonder you're underwater. No wonder you feel no peace of mind. You don't even know what's going out there. And that's, I think, I know we, we, we love to focus on cash flow, but I think it's, it's got to be one of the most important pieces of your financial journey, right? Yeah, it really is. That's kind of the starting point. Because if you don't have a positive cash flow, it's really hard to make any progress going forward because... And I think a lot of people too, the more money that they make, the more that they spend, they really don't add margin. I think that's kind of a fallacy for most people sure. that more money equals more margin. It could, and it should, but a lot of times it doesn't. Yeah. It's that lifestyle creep, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly right. But luckily there's a lot of tools out there kind of like, so Mint is one, but there's a lot of online tools that you can use that do all the work for you. So you, again, you, some a tool like mint.com or personal capital, you just connect everything in and you connect your credit card, your bank account, and it'll track all your spending. It'll categorize it for you to tell you where it's going. Yeah. And one thing I, I want to clarify that I think you did already is this isn't your budget, right? This yeah. is just actually understanding and tracking it. 
Yeah. Cause that can actually help you make a better budget, right? We typically start with the budget and we blow it out of the water because right. we didn't actually know that, Oh wait, this, this isn't even realistic. Right. Yeah. So. That's right. Yeah. I think most bu budgets, including my own are usually pretty aspirational. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think right. I'll spend this much. You can so, live off of $300 a month, right? <laughs> yeah. So going back and looking at, okay, what did I actually spend? And what I spend on these categories is really helpful information that you need to start heading in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Could help you catch fraud too, if that ever happens, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. And another good tool that a lot of my friends are using and they've had a lot of success with is called uh, YNAB or you need a budget. That's mm -hmm. a one that's getting a little bit more popular right now. I think it's uh, a little more time intensive, but it helps. So, yeah, no, that's a great one. Well, that's great. So net worth and cash flow. I think that's a good spot to, to put you where you're at, right. To start figuring yeah. out where your money journey has led you to this point and where you're mm -hmm. at right now. Right. Yeah. Net, net worth, cash flow, and the money story, <laughs> the emotional side, which is, could be more important, probably is more important for a lot of people. That is true. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one to understand yourself and then, and then understand your spouse. Right. Uh, I've heard yeah. the joke that right as financial advisors, the first thing we do is bring in clients that don't really know us or trust us. Then we start picking and asking them all these deep questions that they haven't even asked themselves or their spouse. Yeah. And then we just create, you know, personal strife and marital strife right there in this new room. That's, that's the whole you know, financial advisor experience, right? Hopefully yeah. we do it a little uh, nicer than that. Yeah, that is a great point though. If you're married, it's really important to understand your spouses, their money story as well, because it's probably different from yours and they're probably, they probably have different motivations for doing what they do. Mm -hmm. They probably have different fears than you do. They probably have different aspirations. And so really encourage you to have that conversation with your spouse if you have one. That's so important. Yeah, I love for newlyweds or even like premarital of, it's not just that, are you a saver or spender? I kind of get, I kind of mm -hmm. don't like that term that we use it so much. Are you a saver or I'm a saver, I'm a spender. It's so much deeper than that, right? Because if you go deeper into that money story and, and even your own kind of convictions of what you've developed so far, you can get way deeper that, you know, we're all a saver at some point. It might yeah. just be a saver to buy those fancy shoes or buy that house. <laughs> That's right. And we're all a spender at some point, but it's a di difference of why do I need to hold on to this dollar, right? Is it a security issue? Or why do I, you know, feel bad hoarding this and not using it or giving it away, right? And that's so much more important than just that, you know, hey, you, my wife's a spender, so she spends all our money, right? It's like, no, there might be a reason by that. Maybe you're just not <laughs> allowing to invest anything in her, right? That's right. That's exactly right. Really encourage you to do that. And yeah, I think for everyone listening, we just, if you haven't done any of these steps yet, so you haven't, figured out your money story, you haven't put together a net worth, you haven't put together a cash flow and seen where your money's going. I would just encourage you to start. The way to start is just to start. The longest journey starts with one single step. And so we just encourage everyone, just take one step, think through these, start a cash flow, start a net worth, sign up for one of these websites or these tools, just give it a shot. Yeah. And a quote, uh, Andy Stanley, his newest book, he, he talks about there's no necessary correlation between knowing and doing, right? So now that we, we kind of know where you're at is actually do something about it. It's yeah. <laughs> not something just, I set up my mint, but you know, I, I forgot about it. It's like actually start doing something. I, I liked uh, the author, uh, Mark Batterson, and in one of his books, he talked about if you really want to pray for like revival in the world or something like that, it better start with you in a closet on your knees praying for revival on yourself, right? And this comes down to if you want something, it starts with you. It doesn't, no one else is going to help you. It's no one else's fault. It starts with you. Really good point. Now, 
on our journey and, and kind of knowing where we're at, uh, is there anything we should avoid or you would recommend avoiding doing in this process? Almost exactly what you just said. It's really important for you to know your path and it's important for you to know your situation. And really any the time you spend focusing on other people or comparing to other people is really something that derails more people than anything else I would imagine. So looking at what other people have compared to what you have, looking at where people are going compared to where you're going. I think it's just really, anytime you take the focus off your personal story and you look at somebody else, it just creates discontent or it creates a roadblock to you making any meaningful progress. So really encourage people not to do that. Focus on you and tune out the noise of, <laughs> of other people. It could be that Instagram effect, right? That we, we, we just see everyone living their you know best lives yeah. and instantly we go, well, oh man, I, I should be doing that. I want that. Why, why am I not there? Where it's, no, this is your money tree, right? Don't look at other people's. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so true. So much that you see that you just don't know what's behind it. Don't know what people's situations really are. I just remember meeting with somebody <laughs> really early on in my career that I thought was like super rich. So he was a lawyer, he drove a super nice car. And then he asked me to help him with his finances. And I started looking at everything and his net worth was zero, <laughs> so, yeah. like actually zero. So don't let what other people are doing drive your actions because you just, you don't know what's where they are really, or you don't know what's behind their story. Yeah. I like that story. I typically am a positive guy, but I love when yeah. someone goes, Oh man, look at them. They're, they must be so well off. They got the Escalade and the night house. <laughs> and I go, well, or they have a huge mortgage and, and a big you know car payment. Right. <laughs> but yeah. it's kind of like, a, a, I've been, you know, binging country music this year. And, and uh, Luke Combs is a new you know, album. It's called what you see ain't always what you get, right? Behavioral psychologist, uh, Daniel Kahneman that would say what you see is all there is, right? Is that what you see is that's all there is there. You don't yeah. know necessarily what's going on the rest of the thing. And, and you can't make decisions. It's that, I think we shared last time that halo effect that we instantly make a decision on what we see about mm -hmm. everything else without really knowing that there's so much more dynamics there. It's yeah. Kind of, we see about celebrities, right? We look at them and go, man, they're so great. But then they have all these crazy things going on in the background, right? It's really impossible to know just from looking at somebody if you should be jealous or not. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't know. You don't know what their situation really is. That's so true. Yeah. And you probably shouldn't be jealous anyway, ever. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also want to point out just that don't blame others for your problem. Like too often, unfortunately, this might upset some people where we complain about student loans of like, Oh, somebody should wipe out my student loans or, you know, it's not my fault. I have all these student loans. Well, it is. I know at 18, your parents might've forced you to go there and they might've pushed you that way, but take responsibility for it and pay them off. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I want to share one conviction. I think which you, you talked about earlier is the fact we should be reviewing your net worth and you should be building a cash flow, but don't obsess about it. Right. It's so easy to, yeah. So personal conviction, don't look at this more than <laughs> once a month, <laughs> but also yeah. look at it maybe at least every six months. Yeah. I mean, otherwise your net worth can become your self-worth pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. That's great. How about cash flow though? How often do you think you should check your cash flow? How often do you? This one probably depends on your situation a little bit. If things are really tight, I'd probably look at it once a week and just know what's coming up, know what money's coming in. If there's any big things you have to pay for that week and I mean, that's kind of just a necessity sometimes of being tight. So you have to be really, really into the details. If you're a little bit more comfortable, I would recommend at least 
once a year, you start out and you build the plan for the year. And then I would just review that like maybe at least every three months just to mm -hmm. see, okay, well, how did my cash flow in reality compare to what I expected it to? Yeah, that's good. I mean, businesses do that, right? Every quarter yeah. you get a quarterly review. Why, why don't we individually? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's great. Well, that's good. Well, I know we like to end every podcast with kind of a fun subject. So it's the, uh, what did you overhear at the party? Uh, Thanksgiving was last week. So Ryan, what did you overhear at your Thanksgiving? <laughs> the only financial piece that I heard was one of my brothers actually saying that um, just, he just did not believe in the stock market at all. It was just like gambling. It, it's, it's a tricky one because there are some aspects that are just gambling. You go heavy on options trading expiring that day you're just kind of betting that the price goes up or the price right. goes down. So he's right and he's wrong. If you look at history and you just look at the performance of the stock market, if you invest and you diversify in the US economy, then there's never been a negative return there. And so it's yeah. not, not as much gambling, but it was just interesting that we were having that conversation kind of just as we've been talking about that. Yeah, I've definitely heard that in my family a lot, that it's just a gamble. I liked uh, and Ben Graham's The Intelligent Investor, the whole difference of what speculation is versus investing, right? Mm -hmm. Speculation is gambling at the end. It, it's, it's, and too much of us jump on that wagon. It's, it's, if it's crypto or like you said, options, but, but investing is actually taking something with inherent value, diversifying in it. And guess what? You're actually, if you can just stick with that, you're going to do fine, right? Uh, investing is yeah. not that crazy, but we let it get crazy because we, we follow the hype in the news. If you just stick with it, like you said, is, you can have permanent loss on a speculation, but you typically in a diversified portfolio never hit permanent loss, right? Yeah. You might have some unrealized losses for a time period, but you know, at least historically, it continues to go up as long as you're invested in solid companies, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. What about you? What did you hear at Thanksgiving? <clears throat> I overheard uh, my Thanksgiving dinner um, that I bought the Costco 20 pound turkey because it was more affordable than the 12 pound at the other store. Uh huh. However, I may have to throw away nine pounds. Uh, <laughs> this is an ad lib on, on mine. Um, we, we had our first Thanksgiving together without family and got to cook our first turkey. And we went to Costco, like most of Costco things, it's, it's tempting because you can get a 21 pound turkey for $21 or you go to a different store and you get a 12 pound turkey for more than that. So anyways, we went with it. Uh, I thought it was a funny one that we always kind of go for those deals, even if we end up wasting a lot. Now we've, we've, we try to be creative and use it for different sandwiches and soups and, and we've used a lot of it, but it just brought me that kind of idea of overconsumption, right? Of that we can, we just waste so much and, you know, is, is it worth, I mean, what are your opinion on like, I know we want a good sale and we want to be good spenders, but what if we're wasting a lot at the end of the day? It kind of almost, it depends on that deal really. Like, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, where, where that probably is a really good deal and years i think you used it really well but you really want to think through am i actually going to use this or not or you could think through okay well i'm getting this turkey for the same price as a 12 pound turkey what can i do with the extra that i know i'm not going to eat so i think it's just being intentional with the decisions that you're making again going back to your question of why am i doing this really yeah that, that is good that is i mean we want to be good stewards of our money but we also want to get, be good stewards of everything we have right if it's yeah taking care of our house lawn or the food we buy <laughs> yeah but, yeah that is a good one right if you if you had that nine pound of extra maybe go find someone to feed it to or i don't know it could be hard in a covid lifestyle but yeah you can it could be decide yeah. something. <laughs> invite some people over yeah that's right why don't you tell us about next week a little bit colby 
that's a great that's a great transition there what are, what are we going to talk about next week uh <laughs> so now that we know our why know where we are now let's start talking about what your goals are right know what your goals are and that's and that's an, a really a key i mean this key piece of the financial plan is knowing not only your, what your why uh, and where you're at but those goals because the goals end up determining where you're going and what you actually want to achieve in, in building that plan right i am excited for what we have to come up with next week yeah yeah so stay tuned we'll come back next week with another episode and we're just excited about helping you think through your goals that's awesome feel free to leave us comments email us questions or you know concerns and uh, <laughs> uh, you can subscribe you might also get some stuff out on social media that you can follow potentially anyways all right well thanks right, ryan we'll for your time see you next time